You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Great news. Jesus Christ will return to the earth. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video. The Bible presents the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to return to the earth as king and reign over the earth with a righteous government. When? There will be peace, even among the animals, and perfect harmony throughout God's creation. You know, often when we, we think about good news, I, I often think good news follows good people. And when I remember in high school, they, I don't know if they still do yearbooks today, and um, that's even for me, that's going back 15 or 20 years now. And um, they said, someone who you look up to, and this one did not age very well. I said, I look up to Lance Armstrong. Um, now, Lance Armstrong was an incredible athlete until they found out that he cheated, um, and my hopes and dreams are cr- crushed based on that, but good news followed this guy because despite being an incredible athlete and, and winning all these accolades in racing, um, on top of that he was battling cancer, on top of that he was giving um, lots of money to um, the Live Strong Foundation and, and those battling cancer, and good news followed this guy. And you know, when I, when I stop and think about that in, in the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, you think about the good news that followed Jesus. Everywhere that man went, good news followed him. Whether he was healing people or telling them about his, his father in heaven, whether he was having one-on-one conversations, good news followed Jesus. He was a positive person because he was looking for something that was, that was more than just this life. Jesus taught good news. Good news followed Jesus. And so if I could change my yearbook now, I'd say Jesus. <laughs> I think it'd be a much better choice and it would age very well. But when we think about Jesus and we, and we think about the good news surrounding him, we, we had Tim a couple weeks ago talking about the name, everything associated with his name. Now, now we're talking about Jesus returning and what Aaron read for us today. And if you just look in Acts 1 where we read today, we, the disciples start out with a question. They say to him in verse 6 of Acts 1, he said, basically, are you coming back to restore the kingdom now? And that's really, really important because the disciples make the link that the return of Jesus equals the restoration of a kingdom. And if we have a kingdom, then we need to have a king. And now we have quite a, quite a big thought here. And the disciples said, you know, are you coming now? Are you going to restore the kingdom now? And, you know, that was pretty important to them. Does anyone know who, what life was like for Israel at that time? Did they have their own king? Who was ruling the house in those days? Romans weren't the nicest people to them, had just crucified Jesus. You know, it was, it was a terrible time for those disciples. And, and of course, they're looking at this, Jesus, can you just come now and just take all this away? Can you make everything better? And he says, well, it's in God's timing. But the, the thing that we can, we can look from that verse is that the disciples made that connection that his return signaled a kingdom and the coming 
of the king. As we, as we go through in the couple minutes that we have tonight in this, this message, this good news message that Christ will return, I think we want to just really remember a couple things. That Jesus did give his word. And if, if we were going to believe anyone, I think throughout all the period of history, I think we'd want to believe Jesus when he said, I'm coming back. And when he said that, he said in Acts 1 verse 11, which is where we, we like to center that message around, he said to these men of Galilee, these men standing up and gazing into heaven, Acts 1 verse 11, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So a lot of, some Bible versions put that say, well, he'll come back in the same way. He'll come back in the same manner. Not, not a fake Jesus. The same Jesus who you see here now. He's going to physically come back the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Now, if you, if you think in other places, let's just turn over to a book called um, First Thessalonians. Now, Paul wrote about Jesus returning. He wrote about a kingdom. He wrote about, you know, a future reward in this place, and um, we're going to talk about him a bit tonight. But Paul, when he writes his letter to the Thessalonians, he says in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, and what Paul's doing is he's actually comforting people who have, who have been under probably some sort of um, Roman persecution, but in and he, he tells them this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. He says, The Lord himself, that's Jesus, he's going to descend with heaven from a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And he talks more about the events surrounding his return. But he said, he says, Jesus himself, similar language, that the same Jesus is going to return, and he's going to descend. He's coming back down from heaven, like in the same manner, the same way, as he said in Acts 1 verse 11, he says, I'm coming back. And Paul says, he's coming back. And that message stays consistent where Paul says that he's coming back to earth just like he said he would in Acts 1 verse 11. Now I want you to, um, just before, while I talk, turn up um, the reference on the screen there for 2 Samuel 7 and verses 9 to 16. Now, if it wasn't enough that Jesus said he was going to come back, and we, we link that then to a kingdom, well, that can be a bit of a stretch if we don't have a verse to say that. Now, there's a really um, a good way to look at this, I think, because in the next chapter in Acts, in the book that you're studying, Peter's going to make reference to this in 2 Samuel. And what we can, we can get from this, and I hope we can explain from this, is that God promised that Jesus would return to, to be a king on this earth. So let's go to 2 Samuel, chapter 7. This is a promise that God made. Now, this is much, uh, or quite a long time before the Acts of the Apostles. And I think Tim talked a bit about this in his class, but probably just a bit more in depth. Now, this is God talking to King David. This is long, long, long before, back when the kingdom of Israel, before it was even divided into the, the ten and two tribes. This is him talking to King David. And he's talking about the succession of his kingdom. And when we look at uh, 2 Samuel 7, I'm just going to pick it up. 
in verse 12, 2 Samuel 7 in verse 12, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, or when ye will die, I will set up thy seed, or thy generations after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bells, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So before we even start too much further, we, we know that this kingdom is going to be forever. There's some sort of term of eternity around it, that it's not going to be destroyed, that it's going to be something that's going to last forever. And now in verse 14, there's something really unique. God says to David, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Now, just before that, he said that David and his generations, that's what he was going to start. So now we have something a bit different. Well, that can't be Solomon, who was then David's son. It's, it's got to be someone different who's going to be this king. And if we look down in verse 16, And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. So God's talking to David about a kingdom somewhat in the future, we'd think, by looking at this. He's talking about a king who is not only just going to be his son, but he was going to be the son of God. Now, there's, there's a lot of confusing language in there, and it seems like, oh, that's, that's getting a bit far-fetched and things like that. So hopefully you can see in the summary there the three things that God is promising. He says this future king is going to come from David's family line. He's saying that that same person was going to build him a house in verse 16, a house of kingdom or a central place of worship. It was that God was going to be his father and the throne is going to be established forever. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 2 because Peter then just tells us that that's what David was talking about. I don't have to tell you that. <laughs> I'm glad Peter tells us that. So if we go back to Acts chapter 2, Peter says, I can tell you of a surety that God, when he was talking to David, was actually talking about his son, Jesus Christ, being this king who is going to return. And if we go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 29, we'll start there. Peter says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. And you sit there and we're like, well, David's kingdom certainly isn't sitting around now. The Romans occupy Israel. So there's a lot in that statement alone where, where Peter's saying it's not David ruling. But then he says, therefore, being a prophet or being someone who, who could tell us something about the future and knowing that God had sworn unto an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins or of his generations or of his descendants, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now, Peter explains that really well for us. He says, well, David was being talked to about Jesus. Jesus, someone who is going to come and sit on the throne. He was going to be a king. And so now just think back. The disciples say, are you going to return now to, to establish the kingdom? Now we have a king. And now that's, that's tied back to God promising to David that your seed is going to continue and your generations are going to continue. 
And he's saying, not only that, he says he wasn't left in the grave and he wasn't left to die. In fact, God resurrected him. And he says, if this was talking about David, he says, go on down to the graveyard. You can check. He says, David's body is it's there. He says, you can go and find the bones if you want. You can go and find Solomon's remains if you want. That's David's son. But he said, you won't find Jesus. And he says, that Jesus is the descendant of David who will be the king. And he says, God has proved that to us. And in verse 33, it says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth, which now you see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, Yahweh said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make those enemies my footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So now this king that we have and this whole idea of Christ returning is tied to a promise that God made many, many years before the apostles and promised long, long before any of this. And, and Peter gets this. He says that's exactly what David was talking about. Now, does the Bible add credibility to that? Does it add credibility that David was telling the truth here? Does, there are other verses in the Bible that talk about Jesus doing these things. Well, let's just have a look for one second. Um, turn back to Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, you get a genealogy or a list of the descendants of David. And in Matthew chapter 1 and, and verse 6, it says that Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon. And then it goes down and continues on in the generations. And in verse 16, it says, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is also called Christ. So David is, and Jesus is of that genealogy. So that fits. But Jesus also had to be the son of God if he was going to be that king to return to the earth. When Jesus was baptized, what did God say? Anyone? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was God's son as well. So now we start fitting a couple puzzle pieces together and say, well, yeah, that, that is talking about Jesus in that case. Well, would, would Jesus build a house that would stand forever? Well, I think there's a couple ways we could probably think about that. Let's go to another letter of Paul's. Let's just go to Ephesians chapter 2. And now when when it talks about building a house, it wouldn't do Jesus much good or wouldn't do a future king or a kingdom much good if he was going to make a place of worship but there was nobody in it. It's not like the house is going to give God praise in that day. So Jesus is going to build a house filled with people who, who are going to follow the king. Any kingdom needs its own subjects. Any kingdom needs its own citizens. And, and, and Paul recognized that. He says, well, the king who's going to return, he says in Ephesians 2, he says in verse 19, he says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, 
but fellow citizens and saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye are also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So using that verse, we can see, well, Jesus is building a house of prayer for people to come to, and he's filling it with people. And it started there in, in Acts chapter 1, and it started through his ministry, and it started through people who realized that Jesus was going to be king of the earth, and he's, he's building and he's filling that house with people. But even more literally, if you want to come back to the Old Testament, it tells us that there'll be a house built as well. Um, I'll read it out to you in Isaiah chapter 2. It says in Isaiah chapter 2, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and he will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And so we have a physical house filled with physical people for this king to come and rule. So when Jesus told his disciples he was going to return, he wasn't just saying, I'm going to return and I'll be back and there won't be much else that will happen. Jesus is returning with purpose. Jesus is returning for a really good reason. And he's returning because he wants us there with him as well. He wants us to be in that house. And he wants us to accept that good news knowing that he will return. Now, based on that message, then, if we go back to Acts chapter 1, the fact now that Jesus is saying, I'm going to return, and the fact that he's going to return means that there's going to be a kingdom. And if there's going to be a kingdom, then there needs to be a king. And if there's going to be a king, there needs to be citizens like us to fill the house of prayer and worship for God. There's a lot of good things coming out of this that we can't go into, but hopefully I haven't confused you too much. But I think what the rest of Acts does is it gives us a really, really powerful um, section in the Bible where it talks about these people who are motivated to talk about it. You know, I think of these, you know, really um, weird scenes in movies where you have the court case and you have the key witness and, you know, the, the power of having the eyewitness account of, of witnessing the crime to the point where the person sitting in the witness stand can say, can you point out the man who committed the crime? And they point and say, well, that's the man, and the whole crowd gasps, and, you know, he's guilty. But that's the power of a key witness. You can convince thousands of people based on the fact of one key witness. These men and the individuals not only saw Jesus Christ walk on the earth in his ministry, they also watched him be crucified. They also witnessed a resurrected Jesus from the dead. And they also witnessed him go to heaven and they heard him say, I'm coming back again. And that motivated them to do to take basically to the point of their own life. Now, that's, I just want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And um, while you're going there, I, I often think about this idea of, of witnessing or actually telling people about Jesus is going to return because he said he was going to, and it has all these wonderful things associated about it. But I get really, really nervous talking about it. 
And I, when I went through for my citizenship, um, they asked you even 20 questions, and I remember one of the questions was, and I thought it was so odd, they said, true or false, do you have um, freedom to speak freely about religion, your belief in God, etc.? And I thought, what a silly question, of course you do, just check. But you, you really don't sink in and, and realize that a lot of people in this world do not have that freedom. Um, and it's a really a, a tremendous blessing that we have in Australia and places like Canada and around the world where we can actually talk freely about Jesus returning to this earth. And then I sit there and I kind of think, well, well, I can witness for Christ, but, you know, it, it's really tough. Um, and then when we read in 2 Corinthians 11, we talk about the Apostle Paul and, and some of the things that he went through. He says in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, he said, um, are they ministers for Christ or servants for Christ? He says, I'm going to tell you what I've went through, he said. He says, and labors more abundant and stripes above measure and prisons more frequent and deaths off. Of Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. And journeyings often and perils of water and perils of robbers by my own countrymen, by the heathen, in the city, in perils of the wilderness, in the sea, among false brethren, painfulness, watchings often, hunger, thirst, fasting, cold, and nakedness, besides those things that are without, which cometh upon me, the daily care of all the churches. And that's Paul basically giving his list. He's saying, that's all the things I go through for basically witnessing for Christ. And I, I think probably one of the really practical things when, I talk, when we talk about that Christ will return is really asking, you know, how do I witness for Christ? Um, just a simple thing. You know, there's a really, really good um, opportunity now that I've found, you know, I got door knocked by my local member um, a couple of weeks ago and they said, you know, can we count on you to vote for us in the next election? And um, it was just a really good opportunity to say, I'm actually waiting for Jesus to be king. Um, and no offense and happy to obey the laws of the land, but that's and that's witnessing for Christ. It's, it's who, we, who we look to to be our leader and, and to bring something back um, to something normal in this world or something much better than normal. But you look at all those other verses, in, especially in Acts, you sit there and say, Peter jailed for basically witnessing to the, to the testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. I sit there and I think, well, I'd probably do pretty good in jail just based on my physical stature and my bald head. I'd get probably six weeks in, but then I'd start feeling pretty scared after that. It just, you, you start thinking how motivated these individuals were based on what they saw. And, and it really does um, make us pause to consider, to light a fire within us and say, well, we have faith that this all happened. We looked and these, these guys certainly believed that all this happened. You know, it, it might be time for me to be doing a bit of witnessing for Christ, a bit of just saying he's coming back. Um, and he's coming back to bring something pretty special. Um, Stephen was stoned for his conviction of Jesus. And, and Philip is um, a beautiful example where he, he talked to a complete stranger, an Ethiopian eunuch, someone who probably would have never have heard or had the gospel spoken to him, but Philip took a, a wonderful opportunity to preach the gospel to this man. So I think the power of witness, and it's Jesus' command to his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8, where he says, I want you to be my witnesses. I'll just read that for you. If you just turn back there. Jesus said, he says, 
basically, I'm not coming back, he says, but you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's really where the example of Philip comes in. And, you know, you, you sit there and sometimes we, we take that for granted that that word from that point forward went from that little isolated spot in the world. And we're sitting here in 2022 in Australia and we have the gospel message. We have the message of Jesus Christ returning to the earth now. That's incredible to think that that message has spread that far. And we are so, so blessed that it's reached these places so that we know here today in 2022. And what a great example for us to keep on witnessing. Beyond that, the kingdom of God then became the key or part of the key message of Acts. And I think Jamie mentioned this last week. Um, we see it at the beginning of this chapter that um, Jesus said to them in Acts 1 verse 3, earlier on in our reading, he said, you know, Jesus showed himself alive um, to these men for 40 days, and he spoke to them the things pertaining the kingdom of God. He spoke to them the things probably surrounding his return, the things that were going to happen. Philip made this a key part of his message. Even before Philip spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch, the kingdom of God was part of his message, speaking the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul encouraged people with this message. Encouraged them knowing that there was probably something beyond Roman occupation coming. Paul also preached this message of the kingdom of God to convince others, um, to tell them that there was probably something else out there. It gave confidence to people, and it certainly did to the Apostle Paul. But I just want you to come to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 2 and just see how the Apostle Paul talks about the coming of Jesus. Because it wasn't just a part of the message for the Apostle Paul just to say, you know, I've seen Jesus, so you better believe. It, it, was, it was an all-encompassing thing. It was, a, it was a really part of the Apostle Paul's life, and it was part of all these individuals' lives in the book of Acts. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, he tells you what, what really would make him happy. He said, in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 19 and 20, he says, What is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For ye are our glory and joy. And just as a side note from that, that's pretty encouraging to say that Paul just said, I want to see each and every one of you there in the kingdom with Jesus. He said, I, I want to be there with you. He said, nothing would make me happier than to be in the kingdom, to be there when Christ returns. He says, nothing would give me more joy to be there in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, standing there with you. You know, you know sometimes we can't get the message made up. We want, and Jesus wants, everyone in the kingdom. He wants the good news to keep on spreading, that he's coming back. And We've alluded to it tonight, but there's, there's some wonderful things <clears throat> about the kingdom of God that are mentioned in the Bible. And some of you here probably have verses that talk about the kingdom of God. Now, tonight we've talked about it will be Jesus who returns to be the king, but there's so many other details that come up about it. I just want to um, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11, 
where the Old Testament talks about the kingdom. But we know that what we talked about tonight, what will it be like? Well, Jesus will be the leader. Can you, can you just imagine a time when there's a king or a leader who just stands up there and there's no one saying fake news and there's no one saying up there, well, my opposition leader said this and there's no one up there saying anyone with ulterior motive or anyone with any... Can you just imagine just pure leadership from Christ? Just something totally uninfluenced from anything else. No ulterior motive. And you know what? Even Jesus stamps that down. He says there's going to be none of that because in that reference in Mark 10, verse 37 and 39, two of his disciples come to him and he said, Jesus, we want to sit on your left hand and your right because, you know, that's going to be pretty good. That's a good position to be in. And Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom's all about. He says, it's not about who's the greatest. He says, it's far from that. And, and in Philippians 2, verse 9 to 11, we won't go there. God talks about Jesus being exalted to this position of king where we will all be humbled and bowing the knee to Jesus as a great king in this earth. But in Isaiah 11, um, you probably see allusions of this um, verse in um, probably coffee mugs and I call it toilet decor when you go and you see the painting on the back of the wall and um, the verse on it as well. There's some good stuff there. <laughs> uh, but in Isaiah 11, verses 6 to 10, it says that the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed their young ones and shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of, of the Yahweh as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be the root of Jeshi, which shall stand for the inside of the people, to which shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. You think a world in a kingdom with no violence, not even just violence human to human, just no animal to animal violence. You think about the number of shark attacks. We say there's not that many, but... No sharks wanting to eat humans. Great news for everyone. Just no violence. No bloodshed. Just a peace. And I think probably the, the best part about the news of, of Christ returning is the ultimate peace that we'll all have. I'm sure each and every one of you in here, young or old, have some sort of stress that you're wearing on your shoulders here this evening. And when Christ returns, it'll be peace as he helps us carry those burdens. I want you to just turn to Psalm 72 for another passage like this that explains um, what the kingdom will be like. We know our leader will be Jesus. There'll be nothing ulterior of. We know that the citizens of the kingdom will be people like you and me. In that verse, we won't turn it up for the sake of time, but um, Psalm says that the meek or humble people will inherit the earth meaning that people who, who are willing not, not to serve what this world previously had, but people who are willing to learn and follow Jesus will inherit the earth with him. And in Psalm 72, um, Tim mentioned this in his class too, and it's um, a beautiful psalm that talks about the kingdom. In Psalm 72, verse 1, it says, Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He's going to judge thy people with righteousness 
and poor with judgment. Finally, everyone given a fair shake. No one forgotten. He'll judge the poor of the people. He'll save the children of the needy. He'll break in pieces the oppressor. Everyone who's ever made a gain out of someone unlawfully or unjustfully, Jesus will come and get rid of that. He'll come down like refreshing rain on mowing grass as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace as long as the moon endures. It says further down in verse, <clears throat> verse 14, He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall be their blood in their sight. Verse 16, There shall be a handful of corn on the earth and on the top of the mountains, and fruit thereof shall be like shall shake like Lebanon. No more world hunger. And finally, a time where someone righteous will rule this earth, someone who we can never question but the Son of God. Now, Jesus has given us that assurance. The Bible gives us that assurance that that's what Jesus will do when he returns. No wonder the disciples wanted him to come back that day and restore the kingdom to Israel, not just for the Romans, but just an ultimate peace back on the earth. So the good news um, that we share with you tonight, I hope, made sense that Christ will return, that it was a, a promise and a word given by Jesus himself that he would return. It was also something that God promised long before that. It was something that motivated people to the point where they give their own life for it. And it's still a piece of good news for us today to hold on to our faith, knowing that Jesus will return someday very soon. And he wants each and every one of us there with him. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.